Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the first Sunday in Lent, March 6th, 2022, is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. Good morning again. Special welcome to those of you who are visiting us this morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read the gospel lesson appointed for this Sunday. The sermon text is taken from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, can be found on page 1595 of your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. Reading in Jesus' name, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of the facets of our redemption is that Jesus is our substitute. That's something we more or less understand, especially as far as the cross is concerned. Jesus took our place on the cross and took the punishment we deserve for our sins. That's basic gospel preaching. But another reality of Jesus as our substitute is seen here in his temptation. Jesus stands in for us in all the areas where we've failed And Jesus succeeds. And so, as we turn our eyes back to Luke 4 this morning, we will see that Jesus, that as Jesus stands in our place, he is also the perfect substitute. And he is so in a handful of significant ways. And so first, Jesus is the perfect substitute for Israel, the children of God. After his baptism, we read that Jesus was led by the Spirit, in the Spirit, into the wilderness for 40 days. And this is our first real big connection to the Israelites of the Old Testament. Our minds should immediately be drawn to the Israelites' 40 years of wandering in the wilderness after the Exodus. Now, this is an intentional comparison being highlighted by Luke as he sits under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And this is because the wilderness for the Israelites was a place of intense temptation 
and intense failure. It was in the wilderness, immediately after crossing through the Red Sea, where the Israelites grumbled about food and desired to go back to the meat pots and the vegetables they had in Egypt. It was in the wilderness where the Israelites failed to seize the opportunity to directly take the promised land after they were panicked by the ten spies' bad reports. It was in the wilderness where the Israelites fell into idolatry, worshiping the Baal of Peor. But Jesus, in Israel's place, steps into the wilderness and he succeeds. Jesus refuses to be governed by his stomach. I always think this is such a fitting text for the beginning of Lent. Now, this will be a rhetorical question, but how many of you have given something up for Lent? And how many of you, in giving something up for Lent, immediately but maybe internally, maybe secretly, grumbled about it. Grumbled about your lack. Grumbled about the craving for whatever it was you gave up. And here's Jesus, not having eaten for 40 days. That is some kind of a diet. And the devil entices him. The devil tempts him. All Jesus had to do as the divine son of God is snap his fingers and the rocks would become bread. It would not be too hard for him. Jesus, as fully human, was hungry. But he would not be governed by his stomach. Jesus, in the wilderness, does not cave to the temptation of worldly power. Jesus is not panicked about the powers of the Anakim or the Canaanites or the Philistines. Jesus is not worried about walled cities and being overcome. He does not panic and he does not try to seize power too early or too late. And Jesus worships Only God serves only God, trusts only God. The Israelites had this great desire to be like the other nations. They wanted a king like the other nations. They wanted to worship the gods of the other nations. Jesus worships only God and does not put him to the test. And in doing all this, Jesus succeeds as the faithful child of God, where the children of God, the Israelites, failed time and time and time again. Jesus is the perfect substitute for the children of God. Next, Jesus is the perfect substitute for all humanity. Jesus' next temptation takes us even farther back into Old Testament history. Satan's first words to Jesus as he tempts him are, if you are the Son of God, 
Now, this takes us backwards in Luke to two separate spots. First, Luke 3.22, at Jesus' baptism, God the Father says, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And then, a few verses later, in Luke 3.38, where we discover that the outcome of Jesus' genealogy is that Jesus is the Son of Adam, the Son of God. Both of these verses set us up for Satan's temptation and to Jesus' substitution. Jesus stands in for Adam and Eve in their failure and their fall into temptation in the Garden of Eden. Satan's initial temptation in Genesis 3.1 was, did God actually say? And Satan's first temptation to Jesus is, if you are the Son of God. Did he actually say that your son? Is it true that you are God's son? Then prove it. Jesus does so by quoting scripture. Just as Eve was tempted by the beauty and the allure of the fruit, Satan tries to tempt Jesus by giving him worldly power without the cost of his life. Looks good. All the kingdoms of the earth are shiny and polished and amazing. Why give up your life for all of this when you can have it right now? And in the same way Satan lies to Eve and says, you will not surely die, Satan tries to get Jesus to throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple. God will surely rescue you. You won't die if you are the Son of God. If you are the Messiah, make God prove it for you. Jesus succeeds in all these temptations where Adam and Eve failed because Jesus knows and heeds the word of God rather than doubting and abandoning it. Jesus succeeds in resisting temptation where the first parents of all humanity failed and brought sin upon us all. And so then, finally, Jesus is the perfect substitute for each one of us individually. The biblical symbolism of Jesus standing as the substitute both for the nation of Israel, the children of God, and Adam and Eve is incredibly important. But it all runs the risk of philosophical abstraction if Jesus doesn't also stand in as the substitute for each one of us. But during the temptation, that's exactly what he does. And there's a verse in the New Testament that helps us understand how. If you turn to 1 John 2, verses 15 and 16, you'll read these words. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world." If you remember, and especially those of you confirmed in the 80s and the 90s, if you remember confirmation class, you will have learned that the definition of sin, the description of sin in the Bible comes from 1 John 2.16. Sin is defined as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the sinful pride of life. I still can hear those words come from my pastor in Grand Forks, North Dakota. He drilled that into us. 
these three temptations, these three enticements to sin, which are common to all people, are mirrored here by how Jesus is tempted by Satan. Jesus is first tempted to sin and cave to his hunger, the lust of the flesh. Now, eating in and of itself is not sinful. But eating in Jesus' situation would have been because it would have been a failure to trust God for his good and gracious provision. Jesus next is tempted by worldly power, the lust of the eyes. What's so interesting about this temptation from Satan is that it is completely 100% an illusion. Another pastor I heard on a podcast compared the devil's offering all the kingdoms of the world to Jesus in exchange for worship to a burglar who breaks into your own house and then offers to sell it to you. That's what Satan is doing. The devil has nothing to offer Jesus that isn't already his. It's a vain illusion. And finally then, Jesus is tempted to demonstrate his favored position with God by putting his life in danger, the sinful pride of life. Now this strikes at the core of our failure in temptation. We think we should have what we believe God isn't giving to us. Why wouldn't God want us to be happy? And so we take what isn't ours from a God who isn't offering it to us in the way that we want it, and we blame him for our sin. And our sin turns into idolatry. And our idolatry, as we heard on Wednesday, is simply worship of ourselves, the sinful pride of life. But Jesus Final words to Satan are words to each one of us as well. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, dear saints, as we cave into temptation, and as we fall into sin, this is exactly what we're doing. We are putting the Lord our God to the test. We are ignoring all the evidence that he's given to us of his goodness and his grace and his abundant provision. And instead, we are chasing after in a lie, uh, we're chasing after a lie and an illusion for our own selfish gain. This is the nature of our sin. And our sin destroys our fellowship with the God of the universe who loves us and cares for us. But Jesus, as our substitute here in his temptation, has given us a pattern for resisting temptation, a reliance upon the word of God. The word of God will not fail us. It tells us the truth about us, it tells us the truth about God, and it tells us the truth about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And in that truth, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is our substitute. Just think about that. Jesus, as our substitute, gives us a pattern for resisting temptation. And the pattern for resisting temptation is to look 
to the Word of God where we find Jesus as our substitute. And in every way that we've failed, in every time that we've fallen into temptation and sin, Jesus has succeeded. He has been tempted in every way that we have been, yet came through it without sin. And then Jesus took his sinless perfection to the cross and gives it to us and takes all of our sin on his own person and dies in our place for our sins. Now what is so interesting is that every lie of Satan in this temptation account, every deception, every taunt, every curse, every vile word that Satan tries to rob from us, all of those good gifts are given to us by God in Christ. Jesus is the bread of life, the spiritual food that sustains us forever. We now, because of Christ, stand as co-heirs with Christ of all that God has to give us. We reign with Jesus as a kingdom of priests, and finally, in Christ, and because of Christ, we are dearly beloved children of God. We don't have to question how God feels about us. We don't have to put that relationship to a test. We already know you're a child of God. The evidence of this is twofold. Jesus Christ on the cross and the waters of your baptism. Both events in history where God has made you his child. And God sustains us, and God provides for us, and God protects us until that moment, either through death or when Christ returns, when we are ushered into eternity an eternity free from sorrow and suffering and sin and temptation, free from Satan's attacks and his deception. Jesus not only is your perfect substitute, but in his death and resurrection, Jesus delivers to you what the devil can only deceive you about. Amen. And now... May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.